When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. This week's Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you by the cast of the upcoming imaginary Marvel blockbuster, Agents of Atlas. Featuring Walter Baker as Gorilla Man, Jackie Garson as the 3D Man, David Marble as, wait for it, Marble Boy, Scott Craig as Jimmy Woo, and Nathan Olsen as Venus. The part of the Yellow Claw will be played by a vintage Pez dispenser, and this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Kirkman plays guitar, jamming good with Mark Silvestri on the core, which is hard. He plays it left hand, but made it too far. There's also Spider-Man, because we're Steven's band. Chuck Tane plays for time, jiving us that we was voodoo and the blob was just grass. From the pages of Hellboy, Johnson flies out to battle crime like a lobster messiah. As I open things with flair, this podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast, issue 410, 410 issues of listening pleasure. That's got to be at least 800 hours. At least 800 hours of entertainment. Well, you know what joke we forgot more to like make? 600 hours of entertainment, I'm going to bet. More likely that. Since yeah, and that's like 200 least, hours of you and I. At least 17 hour and hours. At least 17 hours, hours yes. Between 17 and 800, and 800 hours of content. You brute, you brute. So glad that Rodrigo is back here this week. Hello, Rodrigo. What's up? And then Matthew is over there. So glad to have him back yes. this week over there. Oh, thanks. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Let's get to For some For a news. moment, I thought you were going to... We're so glad Rodrigo's back. And also, here's Matthew. <laughs> Got a lot of uh, news items this week. Some of them interesting. Maybe some of them not so interesting. The first X-Men arrives in August. Four minutes of The Amazing Spider-Man hit the net. Pathfinder gets a comic book treatment in August. The Avengers break the $1 billion mark. And Phantom Lady is announced from DC Comics. Let's spin that wheel. Oh, the destiny. And find out what story we will talk in depth about tonight or today or whenever you're listening. Oh, got caught on Phantom Lady there for a second and then it jumped. Yes, it landed right there on the first X-Men arriving in August. Um, <laughs> Marvel teased this earlier and then they had a uh, press conference. We weren't invited again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's Are okay because we we're still able to suss out all the information. You don't have to read that's some right. 800 word essay or some 10,000 word discussion over exactly what was what was spoken because we condense it down into something easy to understand. X-Men. <laughs> the first X-Men. Dollars. Company announced a project <laughs> that involves Neil Adams, Christos Gage, and Nick Lau. Lau, the uh, X-Book editor, said that this book, uh, this will be the book that the X-Fans will go nuts for, while Neil Adams said that this series is maybe groundbreaking. <laughs> maybe. Maybe groundbreaking, perhaps. Adams posited that the concept was that Professor X wasn't the person who started protecting young mutants. 
Maybe it was going on before him. Maybe it was going on after. And of course, Magneto was out hunting Nazis. So there you go. I, I you know, to be honest, this is uh, this is going to be a five issue miniseries. Kicks off in August. It doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me though if uh, there are a number of different tie-ins, or if the series is successful enough, like Marvel hopes it would be. Maybe groundbreaking as as Marvel hopes it might be. Yes, maybe uh, I would Maybe it'll be changed into a six-issue series or a seven-issue series or a twelve-issue maxi series that Probably, comes out bi-weekly. It'll usually go nineteen. Yeah, X books tend to go right around twenty before they tank. So thoughts, Rodrigo. It's it's kind of incredible that uh, from from what I can see, this is not not an imaginary story, not an alternate no, no, reality, no. not an Elseworlds tale. Wolverine is noticing all of this going on when uh, mutants are starting to appear, and says, "Someone needs to protect. Someone needs to protect these people. Right? Who is, will protect the mutants?" The, so yeah. Wolverine lies with Sabretooth. And they approach a young Professor X who is engaged to be married and wants no part of it. The the real amazing, like, there's a lot of really crazy stuff going on here. Um, you know, Wolverine originally became popular because he was that X Man that wasn't a team. Well, that's not the reason. Yeah, wasn't why he a team player, player, but yeah. Right. But you know, his big meteoric rise originated from them giving them giving him that attitude you know not a team player doesn't you know is always questioning orders strikes out on his own he's a loose cannon um but over and and people started loving him right but eventually writers realized that the only way that they could actually keep wolverine with the x-men was to make him a more integral part of the x-men and so was to have weapon him, x well, mm-hmm. and then we go back in time in China. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, look at look at the the TV show Wolverine and the X Men. Right. You know they yep. they they mentally cripple Cyclops so that Wolverine is the only possible uh, and get rid of Professor X. Right. So that Wolverine yep. is the only viable choice, and that's not really true because any other X Men would be a better choice for leader. <laughs> but it's funny because um you know what people loved about Wolverine what what made him rise to stardom has now really been taken away because everybody loves him now, so now they need him in the team. Now they want him to be the center of the team. Think about, you know, that Wolverine that was running around the wilds of Canada, like, just slashing ninjas all over the place. Is that the same guy who would be looking around saying, gosh golly, all these young mutants are in trouble. Who's gonna protect the mutants? Who's gonna protect these poor baby mutants? No! Let's... Let's talk about the time frame involved here. As of the point when Wolverine joined the X-Men, he didn't realize that he had ever had bone claws. And there are clear bits of dialogue that state that he thinks the X-Men is a bad idea. Right. So we're back to the point of memory implants or amnesia because all of these, you know, all of this art is bone claws and right. arg and gargan. Yeah, Not so, to mention the so fact. Go back. So first there was Wolverine yes. that appears in what? The Incredible Hulk 167. The Incredible or Hulk 181. 181. Yeah. And then so he becomes an instant overnight success. And no. so then does they. He I, I don't thought, know. No, I, no I he think does not. They just kind of like them. And then they put him into the X Men with Second Genesis. And then he's then he's so popular. At some point, they say, "Hey, he, we need to have a backstory for this guy." So we get Weapon X, <laughs> which tells all about how Wolverine got his adamantium claws, right? But then 
he's still so popular because he's been around for such a long time that they retcon him and his adventures in Japan, right? Feudal Japan? Or? Um, the Japan stuff predates the Weapon X stuff. Okay. The Japanese the Japanese stuff goes back to Chris what, Claremont's I know, but what original year? What, what time period? I'd say around mm-hmm. 7980. Oh, okay. 1982 was that Frank Miller series, which so is really... So when does Weapon X appear as far as time period in which it's set? 94, I think. But it's set in, in when, what time presents. period? The past... Yeah, like, we don't know what past. So eight, this eight is minutes, set, eight it's minutes like a into the past. Comic. It's set twenty years ago, basically. So this right? this is set is. sometime between nineteen forty five and nineteen eighty two. This first X Men somewhere in there. But then you also have to look at this Sabretooth is established as having been a member of the Avengers Initiative in nineteen fifty nine, and looking considerably older than this, and being you know considerably more mature. So I would say. That honestly, this is this is going to be something. So has where Wolverine Marvel's been around? So has Wolverine been around since the caveman days? Is he Wolverine, is he Wolverine, Marvel's Vandal Savage, who's a little bit more no. uh, Wolverine Origins, which which everybody seems to have loved, places yeah. Wolverine's childhood at around the Civil War, mm. the the American right. Civil War. Yeah, yeah. And so he, that's he was a more sick or less, young lad in a dress. Right. So that's more or less where his story starts. Hmm. Um. He's, I want to say, like 160, 150 odd years old. But who's going to protect thing, these mutants? The thing that I love about this <laughs> is, yeah, I can see what they're, you know, what they're going for here, and I think that from a marketing standpoint, this is good up to a point. It's fascinating to me that this is the company that doesn't do reboots. This is not a reboot. No, this no, is, it's this not. Is it's a retcon. a retcon, an enormous retcon. That'll be popular. So, oh, I think it will be. I wonder well, if they're going to have. I wonder if they're going to have Adams the first X Men versus, where it's just page after page of like Magneto blasting through uh, Nazi bunkers. Well, you know, if and page they, after page if, of Wolverine look, with his bony claws out. If this is popular and it hits it big, do not think that we're not going to oh, see no, a, an Invaders crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Agreed. Well, and uh, they don't really give a time frame, but I'm judging from just looking at Wolverine's outfit in the two Neil Adams pieces. We're looking to me like mid 50s kind of uh, greaser motif there. So it's basically, you know, what if Wolverine was Fonzie? But also, and I think this is the thing to to really take into account. This is the promotional art. And while I sit here and I say, yes, this is, yeah, this is the initial announcement of, you know, a Wolverine series, and we can all go, oh, well, Marvel is just trying to get more money from... This may be Marvel's, you know, next big masterpiece. I mean, people laughed at Old Man Logan, and you guys seem to like that thing. Yeah, it was all right. And I I think that we should at least give it a chance. Chris Gage is a good, uh, good writer. Christos Gage is the guy who has given us, you know, some of the best stuff that Marvel has done in the last five or six years, X-Men related. For me, anyway. And, you know, it's got Neil Adams' art, so worst-case scenario, we'll be reading it and going, well, that that's interesting. I think it is interesting. The, interesting the variant, the variant cover art, the one where it's Bone Claw, Vampire, Wolverine carrying the kid. You know, yeah. if it is set in the 1950s, somebody ought to go back. I mean, it's a variant cover, so it could be whatever, but those shoes right. are not 1950s uh, high tops. <laughs> uh, he, that's Marty <laughs> McFly he's carrying. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's actually a pretty cool story. And if you look in the background, the girl in the in the blouse with the huge Robot. tracks of land, that's actually Leah Thompson, Marty McFly's mother. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a new so. character that they're introducing, apparently. Well, of course. Yeah. It, I want to know who the guy uh, with the perfectly triangular Crystar, the Crystal Warrior head is. Is that meant to be Magneto? Yeah, I believe it is. Look, he's mag- his magnetoing stuff. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. 80% of the mutants on the world have purple flames that come out of their hands one way or the oh, other. Oh, really? Yeah. Psylocke has the purple flame. I'm glad flames. I don't read the X-Men. <laughs> I'm glad you don't read it, too. Yeah. I'd be interested. Uh, I will probably, if no one else calls it, I will probably do a review. Oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll have a X-Men review on that. It'll be I interesting. It'll I, just, be I guess my concern is that, as Matthew said, why are we taking a character who was the anti-hero and uh, suddenly that was make, oh, that, I'm that, sorry, that you, said that. Uh, uh, and then suddenly make him the, the hero hero, the mm. prime founder of the X-Men. Well, and, and it's like, in a lot of ways, it's like going back and saying, hey, you know what would be awesome if George Washington was actually Batman. If Batman had traveled back in time and founded the United States of America, and if everything good that ever happened was because of Batman. By the way, no other heroes matter in this company. I mean, that's kind of what I get from this a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, at some level, it makes sense because, A, Wolverine is established as an immortal for all intents and purposes. So he has a huge backstory that they can play with. B, Charles Xavier has pretty much been off the chessboard for the last five, six years. And when he is in play, he's usually as an immoral, you know, Xanatos douchebag. As someone who forces people with their powers. And I think that, you know, playing that up, the, the, say, you know, from this point, we hate authority figures. Professor X is that ultimate authority figure that we hate. So we've retconned it to where the douchebag authority figure didn't found the X-Men. It was actually the cool rock and roll dude with the leather jacket. And then the D-bag authority figure took it over and somehow wiped Wolverine's mind. And he doesn't even remember how super awesome he is. Well, hey, that's, you know, that could happen. I mean, it is uh, Xavier, right? So, all right, listeners, we will keep you updated on that story. And you can head over there to Majorspoilers.com. You can click on the link in your show notes. You can share your comments, as many people already have today. And you can read a lot of other good things, including a bunch of reviews, a bunch of news, and a bunch of other things that you want to be have in your life. Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're actually going to get to some reviews. And later, Star Wars. How to get a major spoiler shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, Sit back and relax, and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 20-06. Thank you, everyone, who's donated to the cause. We really appreciate that so, so much. Let's get to some reviews. Oh, before that, you know, before we get to that reviews bit and Matthew makes that noise, don't forget, if you don't, if you can't, Give a donation because you don't have a PayPal account or you don't have a credit card. Or you don't have a checking account, whatever it may be. Maybe instead you need to buy a product. Maybe, Rodrigo, you need to go buy some Doctor Who DVDs. 
Yeah. Or maybe your parents need to buy you some Doctor Who DVDs. They sure do. Or maybe you need to buy some baby clothes. Yeah. Or diapers. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you Wait, just want to buy some dice. Yeah. Where do you normally head when you're off to buy all of those things? Well, since I live in a rural area, usually I buy all that stuff on the Interstyle net. Any particular site that you go to? Um, I find that there are some sites that where you can go to that have multiple vendors all pulled together for you already, such as, for example... Uh, I suppose Amazon.com. Amazon.com, you say? Yes. Well, check this out. If you go to Majorspoilers.com, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. and you click on that Amazon.com button... I was going there already. You could go right over to Amazon, make your purchase like normal. For example, someone bought a Batman Volume 1, The Court of Owls, the new 52. Ooh. Another person bought a Black & Decker, The Complete Photo Guide to Home Repair, with 350 projects and 2,000 photos. You can buy all that stuff just like you normally do. You get it just like you normally do. But check this out. Major Spoilers gets a portion of that sale. Nice. Doesn't cost you anything more, but it helps us out in the long run. So I mentioned last week that we were already up to the getting close to the next tier. We jumped over that. Nice. And now we only have two tiers left before we max out at the percentage that we can get. So head over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon.com link, and shop away. Anything and everything. Even those Kindle. Somebody said, can we buy something for our Kindle Fire or our little Kindle device? Yes, you can. Buy it through the Amazon.com yes, link. you can. And there you go. And there we thank go. everybody who's done that so far. All right, let's talk some reviews. It's time. No, wait. Reviews. Okay, this week we've got a lot of really good uh, titles here. One of them... Um, Came out last week, Matthew. Lobster Johnson and the Burning Hand. Is this five of five? Yes. So this is the last in the Lobster Johnson series. Of well, this the is 1930s. the last in the latest Lobster Johnson right. series. Lobster Johnson's had a number of... I think they do Lobster Johnson kind of the same way they do Hellboy. Where they'll do like sets of limited series and they pop up and they pop down and they pop around. For me, Lobster Johnson is a character that I only know because he inexplicably had a HeroClick figure. And there were hundreds of them in my HeroClick sales back when we used to have a bucket Mm -hmm. where you just buy a HeroClick for a quarter. And if you were looking for a particular one, there were always thugs, there were always hookers, and there was always Lobster Johnson. And I think that really describes the universe. Um, This issue is actually co-written by uh, John Arcudi, who... I know does a lot of uh, I know him mostly from mask stuff for Dark Horse, but he's uh, co-writing with Mignola. And I did not realize that this isn't Mike's art until I actually opened the book. It's by and forgive me for butchering the name Tonchi Zonchik, who did the Marvel Divas series for Marvel a couple of years ago and is a character, you know, a, a, an artist rather who I really, really enjoy. Um, but this issue is the big wrap-up. So we have a villain in play. We have Lobster Johnson in play. We have, you know, a, a big conflagration at the beginning of the issue. And as you go through and you try to put it together, I actually find myself more distracted, not necessarily distracted, but stunned by how amazing the artwork is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he kind of ends up being... It's almost a, a melange of um, David... Mazzucchelli, I believe it was, who did Batman Year One and kind of a really weird Alex Toth vibe. And I'm just like, oh, wow. 
I forgot to read a panel because I'm looking at this awesome sequence of Lobster Johnson or, you know, somebody's got this gun and I'm like, that's actually how the gun looks. That's an actual, you know, M1911 pistol. And then, of course, the cannibals show up to try and eat Lobster Johnson. But it's okay because Lobster Johnson has an unlimited supply of bullets. Yeah, he does. I, I, I honestly haven't read a whole lot of Lobster Johnson stories. I think... And, you know, I may be wrong. I think he's basically kind of like the Phantom and Doc Savage with a really cool lobster motif. Uh, he does not, however, stick to Magnet, but he will bite your eye, which is also good. And this issue wraps up all the mystery, wraps up the stuff. And it does it really well, even though I don't know what happened in the first four issues. Everything is put to rest. It's a very classical tale where you have, you know, the, the she was a redhead. It's always the redheads. The bad guy gets his comeuppance at the end. And then we're left with, you know, a little thread of what could be the next Lobster Johnson story. There's a character who's clearly portrayed by Peter Laurie. And there's a moment at the end where you're kind of like, maybe something strange is going on. And maybe people are turning on Lobster Johnson. There's our hook for that next series. So... Very, you know, very pulpy, very classical, very gorgeous book. And even though I didn't necessarily come in with any idea what's going on and left the book, not necessarily knowing everything that happened in those first four issues, this was still an in, an individually readable and enjoyable experience. This chapter of the story, you know, it, as if I walked into a theater and it was 1947, this chapter of the story was fully contained it did what it needed to do. It looked really good. Honestly, the only disappointment that I had is that the cover is uh, Dave Johnson. And Dave Johnson's uh, eyes freak me out. Whatever. I don't know what it is, but anytime Dave Johnson guy, so draws his eyes. eyes like. <laughs> 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 it was like, like Marty Feldman. Yes, it's exactly okay. like Marty Feldman. All right, good. It's like a combination of Marty Feldman and Jack Elam. It's like he's actually watching two different tennis matches at once. But in any case, uh, Lobster Johnson, the burning hand, number five of five, four slices of meatloaf. Awesome right. book. There you go. Came out May 9th from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, out this week, week from uh, Image Comics, Hardcore number one. Yeah. Not what I thought it was. Hardcore. <laughs> Isn't the, is this a remake of the old... Uh, book from Valiant Comics where the guys are cyborgs and they're the hardcore. No. No, 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 no. No? Oh. No, 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 no. But it is written by uh, Robert Kirkman. Kirkman! Uh, artist uh, Brian Stelfreeze. Uh, this Stelfreeze. is a story that uh, seems instantly familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a series running on uh, YouTube right now, uh, one of the new channels that launched back the 1st of April. Uh, this series is called Sync, and what happens is this guy is able to port into his robot bodies and have them do assassinations and everything, and he can port back out. Well, this book is a little bit different in that he's not porting into replicants of himself. He actually has this ability. Uh, it's a government agency, and um, you have some assassins, some snipers who go out and find the target and from a distance shoot them in the back of the neck with what they think is just a mosquito bite or something, but it's actually the hardcore hardware that latches into the person's nervous system. And that allows 
in this case, Agent Drake, to take over that person's body for up to 72 hours before the hardcore dissolves uh, so that they can carry out an assassination plot, which in this first issue makes a lot of sense. Uh, they show how it works uh, fairly effectively. Um, I mean, it's it's not it's not revolutionary. It isn't uh, stellar except for the bit about if you're still inside the target's body when the 72 hours are up, you die mm. because I guess there's some feedback loop that closes back into the host body. <laughs> and the story without a clock isn't much. Of the story. Well, and that's what this is. This is a man against the clock because uh, another guy shows up, Marcus, which again, I don't know whether you spell that M-A-R-K-U-S or M-A-R-C-U-S because this book changes the spelling of the character's name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy shows up into uh, Agent Drake's apartment and is like, hey, man, uh, you guys, the government stole this from me. you. I set up the project. I know this thing inside and out. And then you kicked me off of it and I'm out. And you guys are going to regret it. <laughs> yeah. So um, Drake, Drake pops into uh, a target's body. 72 hour clock is ticking. Uh, and then Marcus, this time spelled with a C-U-S, I think, in this uh, version, shows up to the government agency, kills everybody, takes over the place and says, I'm selling this to the highest bidder. And guess what, Agent Drake? You got 72 hours and then you die. To which now wow. Agent Drake is inside this uh, drug lord's body. I forget what it is. General's body something. And he turns and he says, I've got 72 hours to save myself. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the 80s yeah. music. Flash! Flash! Uh, I mean, dun, 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 it's an okay dun, dun, story. It's interesting. It's got an interesting hook. Um, but you're right. It is one of those tropey man against the clock, run out of time. Got to save myself. Uh, there's no girl at this point that we know of, except for the general's daughter who this guy was sleeping with. His target was sleeping with. So I don't know if she's going to be a player or not, but yeah, at some point there's going to be the girl. It's going to be, uh, the man fighting against himself. And just at the last minute, he's going to jack out of the target body back into his own body. And then while the bad guy's standing over the target's body with the gun, whack from behind comes agent Drake. The end. I'm going to, I'm just going to bet that's how the series ends. Absolutely. I don't know if this is a mini series or an ongoing. It is Robert Kirkman and with creator own works and making lots of money at image. I, this could be an ongoing, but I'm betting mini series at this point. It is okay. The art is okay. Um, it's above average. I'm giving this three slices of meatloaf out of five. Pick it up hmm. if you are interested in uh, in this stuff, but uh, I think we've seen it before. So there you go. Yeah, the, I mean, The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, The Matrix. Oh, sure, bad, sure. bad guys take over the instant. Well, it's a little bit different. It, it, it's an interesting take. It sounds like it might be something I'm interested in, but I think it would be cooler if they were cyborgs. Yeah, at first there's one, part, there's one part in the beginning where you're thinking, oh, this guy's controlling robots because uh, there's this bit where this guy gets his arm blown off and it looks like he's got metal bone structure underneath. And it's like, oh, OK, so these are robots. And then it turns out, no, it's not robots. It's just this guy had some prosthetic or something. So mm-hmm. kind of threw it off. But huh. it's a, it's an OK premise. So that's from Image Comics out this week. Hopefully, hopefully we didn't spoiler it too much for you because I know some people were really eager in checking it out. Title? Yep. A little bit misleading. Uh, Rodrigo. <laughs> A couple of had, weeks ago, you had to get was, through. Even. You had to get all, all the way, the way through, through the cellophane bag. Actually, yeah, I think the cellophane bag. Just to read it without piece um, of cardboard hope, in front of it. I hope that if the main character is trapped in the evil guy's body, that the daughter doesn't become a love interest because that's a little no, squeaky. No no, 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 it's nothing like that. Um, okay. 
uh, Rodrigo, you've got a book for us that we've talked about before on the show, mm-hmm. Resident Alien. But this is not the first issue. I mean, this is the first issue, but it's not the first issue you've reviewed. Please uh, fill us in and explain. Okay. So previously on the Major Spoilers podcast, <laughs> I had 72 hours to read this book. <laughs> no. Uh, to read through the whole Star Wars thing. Um, no. Uh, this is... Uh, I've I've reviewed Resident Alien number zero, right? And this is Resident Alien number one. Ah, now, um, I'm not entirely sure why the previous issue is a number zero and this one's a number one. Um, I would greatly like to know because the previous issue is literally the first issue. Number zero is the first issue, mm-hmm. and number one picks up right where that left off. So, and and in fact. The when once you get past the little exposition text block and you flip the page, he's like, "Oh, this is not where our story starts. You need to read number zero to get oh, to this." Oh man, which is very strange. I mean, that's, yeah, it, that's, is. I, it seems to me that that's just going to be confusing to people. Yeah, but uh, moving past that, this is the story of an alien that uh, crash landed on Earth uh, a while back, and now he is masquerading as a semi-retired doctor in a small town in America. Um, there has been a murder and he is brought in to, uh, kind of do a little bit of forensics until the cops get there. And then eventually just because the person who got murdered was the doctor of the town, he gets brought in to be the doctor. Um, so he's hanging around being a doctor and then, uh... But he's disguised as a human, right? Or does he look he, like an alien? He looks like an alien. He's got psychic alien powers oh, okay. that make people think he's a human. Okay. They have not He looks addressed... like a gray alien? Um, kind of. He, like, he kind of looks like... Let's see what's a good... Like, uh, you know, he basically looks like a bald human. He's got, like, purple skin, but he's got those big, like gray alien black eyes and pointy ears yep so he kind of looks like a big bald i don't know eddie monster purple eddie monster (laughs) um which is probably just a more confusing image monster it it might be a more confusing image than just straight up telling you exactly what he looked like yeah he looks like an alien yeah he he does look like an alien um and it's it's you know the, the the book has this thing where you can read through it and you know that everybody sees him as a normal person. Mm-hmm. So you read through it and you're like, okay, but you can go back and look at it and be like, there's just this random purple alien yeah, yeah, yeah. here. I mean, he's the main character, but there's all these little tableaus of, you know, small town life. Right. And at the, right at the center of it is this weird purple alien. So that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Uh, the... So, you know, the murder gets investigated. They, it seems, pin it on somebody. And the alien's like, okay, well, finally I get to go home uh, or go back to my cottage in the woods and be left alone. When suddenly there is another murder. Oh, no. Another murder? Yes, they may be dealing with a serial killer. Uh Uh-oh. Which the mayor is trying to keep under wraps. Hide the lucky charms. So, um, so yes, clearly... The work of Doctor Alienman is—he's not actually called that—is—is <laughs> uh, um, is not done, and he's going to have to deal with this. Um, the art is fine; I enjoy it. Again, there's a lot of like weird—you know—that kind of weird dissonance of seeing that alien in there, uh, but yet, uh, 
un, you know you understand story wise that he's supposed to be there and it makes sense within the context of the story but out of context it looks totally weird that is actually very enjoyable i think it's, it's okay cool it looks very good um well let me ask you this though if you were just some guy uh-huh walking down the comic book aisle uh-huh and you saw, ooh, number one, yep. I'm going to buy it, so someday it'll be worth a million dollars, and uh, I can well, send I do all my this. children to school. If you picked it up and you dared open it up and read it and break uh -huh. that little spine binding, would you understand <sighs> it, or would you really have to go and read issue well, number zero? Well, I, I would, because everything that happens in issue number zero is in a little block of text at the very beginning. Okay. But it, the book literally tells you, this is the second issue. Despite being, I mean, not in so many words, but it says mm. you need to read issue number zero to understand what's happening. This is a bigger discussion that I think we have time for today. Yeah. Why don't we push this whole zero issue thing off <clears throat> to our next episode, uh, issue 411. Does that mean I can go back to sleep? Yeah, she can go back to sleep now. We'll uh, give you the four. But before one, you do, okay. I need you to uh, tell me how many slices of the meatloaf you're giving this thing. I'll give it four slices of meatloaf. Uh, okay. You know, aside from the weird numbering thing, it's, yeah. it's a really solid comic. I'm I'm really enjoying it. All right, there you go. Three reviews from all of us, and you can head over to Majorspoilers.com, and you can check out even more reviews at that site, uh, and a whole lot more. So go and check it out. And now that the reviews are done, it is time to... It's time! Oh boy, this guy was interrupting me. For the major spoilers, why am I talking like Batman? Because Batman's Bowl awesome. of the week. So Rachel uh, Dawes this was one, a good friend of mine, Joker. This one came from uh, Silver Gray, I believe. Our poll of the week this week. The Is big it bone Silver Gray? Or I thought his name was Silver Black. I don't know. Somebody, somebody I'm sent sorry. this in. Wants to know who's going to win in a fight: the Blob. Or Bouncing Boy. And at first I thought, oh, The Blob, you know, that uh, 1950s uh, uh, Steve McQueen movie Blah. that creeped me out as a kid and had me hiding under the <laughs> covers for days worrying that some gelatinous blob later turned into a gelatinous cube was going to eat me and dissolve my body in the middle of the night. No, not the case. They're talking about some Marvel guy. Some Marvel guy. Some Marvel villain that's big and blobby. And then, of course, the Bouncing Boy. And I know Bouncing Boy is this guy who is, uh, um, well, how to put this uh, delicately. He doesn't come off that smart. Because if you've seen his origin story, mm -hmm. Bouncing Boy, <laughs> he's working for a professor, right. right? And the professor's like, hey, Chuck, I got a job for you. Okay. Here, take this bottle of the Gingold and take it down to the store or wherever that he sends him off to do it. Okay. Super elastic formula. So, Thank you very much. Well, it's based on the Gingold formula. Um, he's walking down the street, supposed to be doing his job. Oh, look, a baseball game. So he decides to not follow his boss's orders mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and go to a baseball game, at which point he goes, I will drink a soda. And he orders a soda. Now, when I'm walking down the street and I'm carrying a bottle of bleach and I order a soda, I don't drink the bottle of bleach. You totally Chuck should. Tane, You'd be surprised how often this happens to Steven. He finds himself carrying bleach all the time. Chuck Tane says, soda? And he, he has the formula. 
Gluck, gluck, I'm drinking the Elasta formula. And the panel, if you've ever seen the origin story of Chuck Tane, he's got the bottle <laughs> no, up to is, his yeah. mouth and he's glug, glug, glugging it while he's going, oh my gosh, I'm drinking the Elasta formula. The, he's, he's not pulling it from his lips. Oh, he's like, sure. I'm I mean, it's, drinking it. It's it's one of those great examples of, you know, the, the way that comics used to be written. Oh, yeah, you yeah. would have Spider-Man jump between two buildings and in the process of it, you would he would say three paragraphs, right? right? right. You don't and, see and Chuck is, trying and, to spit it out in the is, next panel. And this is what happens. You is, don't you see know. him trying to get some epicac and trying to get this out of his system. He just goes back to the doctor, his boss. Sorry, boss. I drank it. Wah, wah, wah. And then he gains <laughs> and then the, the power boss, to And then the stuff. boss throws a, a mug at his head. You idiot! And it bounces off of his head, and thus Bouncing Boy is born. <laughs> the blob i don't know the blob's origin story except maybe he likes to eat a lot the blob's origin story blob is he's a mutant, mutant. is he is it as interesting origins. as a bouncing boy or no um yes, yes, the, yes. oh is it yeah see what happens is he wakes up one day and he's like i sure am fat and then he fights <laughs> the x-men oh okay well there you go yeah it's about <laughs> so right. the poll of the week this week is who's gonna win in this fight the blob or bouncing boy Rodrigo, what do you think? Um, well, I think that this is just going to end up being a pretty hilarious fight. <laughs> um, largely because the the way I, I, I picture it going is Bouncing Boy goes into bounce mode and starts bouncing around the room and hitting the blob. But the blob, um, at any given point, is super strong, super tough, and has the ability to control his own gravity. So, you know, he is, he, you, you, you can't move him. So he's just getting, basically getting pelted by a dodgeball right. from all directions. He catches Bouncing Boy and he throws him against the wall as hard as he can, who then just bounces back and hits him in the face with his own force. And then they both pass out. And then um, I'm going to guess the kingpin walks in and says, <laughs> It's all muscle. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a ninja. <laughs> Uh, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I said exactly that. <laughs> uh, Matthew, what about you? Who's going to win in this fight, the blob or bouncing boy? Well, here's the thing. People have made the remark that Chuck Tane is not the sharpest bulb in the barrel. I'm drinking and- the formula. <laughs> Look at Rodrigo. Rodrigo's drinking water right now. And you don't see him going, oh, no, I've drinking the poison. But here's the thing. It was the Silver Age. Even the super geniuses were bags of hammers. (laughs) And secondly, and more importantly, Chuck Tane exists for one purpose. Chuck Tane exists to show how awesome Chuck Tane is because Chuck Tane is a member of a super team that that where his friends, his peers are Superboy. Supergirl, Monel, who is a slightly more powerful super boy, Ultra Boy, who's a slightly less versatile super boy, and people who can turn lead into gold and dog crap into, uh, uh, well, never mind, telepaths and psychokinetics and pyrokinetics and girls who can walk through walls and one guy who's green for no reason at all. And what is his power? I vouch! Kirkman! <laughs> The reason that I chose the way that I did is twofold. One, because Bouncing Boy is treated as a peer by Superman, which proves that he's bringing something to the table 
other than just, you know, a triple X T-shirt and a bottled plastic formula. Secondly, Bouncing Boy has been shown in the comics to be dramatically resourceful, to be smart, to be kind, to be thoughtful, to be circumspect, to be a master of trigonometry. And to get around the limitations of his superpowers to the point where there's a point in the Great Darkness Saga where the world is being overwhelmed by superpowered Daxamites who are more powerful versions of Monel, who, as mentioned previously, is a more powerful version of Superboy. And they call in the reserves. And guess who's at the front of the reserves? I'll tell you one thing. It ain't Fred J. Dukes. Bouncing Boy leads the charge to battle. Do you know why, Stephen? Do you know why? Because he's too stupid to lead the charge <laughs> from the back. Correct. But also more importantly, he is brave. He is bold. He is action. He is adventure. He, he is the witching hour. He is war as hell. He is all of DC's old books. But more importantly, he's smart. And Fred Dukes is basically a fat guy in a leotard. Which means he's got now, wrestling experience. Yeah, oh, la-dee-da. <laughs> Bouncing Boy has a flight ring. You know, and if it really comes down to it, the blob is going to call in his two pals, Eunice the Untouchable, who is likewise a stocky guy with a funny name, and the Vanisher, who's a skinny guy with a funny name. And Bouncing Boy is going to call in his friends, Superboy. Supergirl. This is a fight just between the Blob and Bouncing Boy, though. I'm just saying, people are telling me how gravity is going to take into account. I'm like, how does gravity come into it when he's got a flight ring? Nothing moves the Blob. Well, that's fine. That doesn't necessarily mean that nothing can choke out of the Blob. It doesn't mean that nothing can beat down the Blob, and it means that my vote, the vote, the designate from Topeka, Kansas, says his vote. For the Honorable Charles Foster Tane of the 31st century. And Adriana voted with me. Well, that's fine. I know she did in spirit. You know, 40, 45% of the people voted with you. There you go. The other 55. And you know what that means? The other are 55% voted for the blob. <laughs> I went, the blo went with the blob, says Lee. The blob would squash Bouncing Boy under his enormous weight. Punching him wouldn't have an effect. I have this funny image of the blob using bouncy boy like a bouncing boy, like one of those inflatable punching bags at the end of a piece of elastic. Maximus Riff says, I went with bouncing boy since he is still a comic book verse, and this is basically a bully versus a victim. According to the comic book law, the bully almost never wins. Uh, uh -huh. Let's see. Josh says, I voted for the blob. Russ Cat says, I'm sorry, Matthew. I believe that the blob's power... Set will give him the edge to endure in this fight that will lead him to win. Uh, Moken says, let's not forget that Chuck can use his Legion flight ring. W Moken wants so much to vote for Bouncing Boy, but even though he says that it's his favorite Legionnaire, but he agrees that power-wise, he's no match for a tub of lard that is the blob. So the list goes on what? and on, listeners. <laughs> listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can cast your vote. And who would win in this week's fight, the Blob or Bouncing Boy? <laughs> or their alternate uh, Amalgam Universe counterpart, the Bouncing Blob. There you go. There you go. All right. We're going to we take merge, a... If we merge the X-Men with the Legion, we can do this. Yeah, well, that may happen. Who knows? We can merge this, Sunboy uh... and Sunfire and call them Sun Sun. There you go. We're going to take this uh, quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Star Wars Legacy. War! 
Stick around. Hey, Major Spoilers. It's Russ Cat from Model Ontario, Canada, Colin. And I just wanted to um, relate a little piece of news that I heard this past weekend uh, at my city's first ever Comic-Con. Um, attending the, com- uh, the con was uh, Josh Adams, uh, son of Neil Adams, and uh, the guy who was doing the art for the IDW licensed Doctor Who comic series. Um, real nice guy. Um, during a panel with him and his father, Neil, he was talking about some of his forthcoming work, and he mentioned he was going to be getting into the webcomic scene. And uh, his forthcoming webcomic, he mentioned, was going to be uh, distributed by the Blind Ferret group of webcomics, the guys who do least I could do, looking for group and others. And I thought that was really cool and wanted to share it with you, because Blind Ferret is Canadian, and I really like the stuff they do, and so I wanted to bang their drum a little bit. Um, but anyways, that's what I have for you. Thank you very much for everything, guys, and have a great evening. Bye. Greetings and salutations, Major Spoilers. Cat Halo from the forums here with a review, a reminder, and a couple of thoughts. Firstly, the review. Went to see Piranha 3 Double D at the weekend. Turns out that wasn't such a good idea. While I loved the last one because it embraced its ridiculousness and relished the fact that it was utterly gratuitous, and I also liked the original Dante and Jim Cameron movies, um, this one, however, terrible. The teen leads are terrible, and while the cameos are kind of funny with the Hoff mocking himself pretty well, um, they're just not funny enough. The script, story, characters, and dialogue, all terrible. All there is is nudity and cheap gore. Um both of which I'm ordinarily a big fan of, however, in this instance I've never cared so little about either in my entire life. And all that might be fine if this movie was fun, which it isn't. Also, the 3D, which I also usually like, is bad. The only thing about this movie that is good is that it's only 80 minutes long, so, in short, avoid this flick. Now comes the reminder. Battleship opens this weekend in the US, and for those who don't remember my review of it last month, this too is a bad movie, more enjoyable than Piranha 3 D, but not by a whole lot. And now just a, a couple of random thoughts. As the Avengers crosses the billion dollar mark worldwide, does anyone else take a weird sense of pride that this movie has done so well? Like, I know it's not exactly a little indie underdog type movie, but all the same, I'm proud of us. Geeks unite. Also, uh, on a complete aside, please tell me that I don't sound anything like Matthew's Irish accent. I would be quite upset if I did. Um, And that will do for now. Thanks very much, lads. Uh, As always, you can find me on the Twitter, at CatHaloMovies. And you can like CatHaloMovies on the Facebook, where I actually happen to have a fun poll on which is your favourite billion-dollar movie at the moment. Um, And also, you can find me on the ever-awesome Major Spoilers Forum. Thanks, guys, and have a fantastic week. Thank you for that comment about Josh Adams and his work with uh, Blind Ferret. We'll be looking for that. And thanks for that uh, review from Cat Halo. And if you would like to contribute, if you would like to play a part of the uh, Major Spoilers podcast or in the Major Spoilers podcast, a comment, a thought, an idea, a mini review, you got to keep it under, what, a minute? Wait, was it from Cat Halo or from Russ Cat? No, I think it was Cat Halo that uh, called in with that review. Too many cats. Did he sound Irish? Too many hip cats, yes, Irish. Yeah, that's that's Cathal. So, uh, uh, if you would like to uh, be like the others who have called in, all you need to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew, that number is... Meow, 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 Cardiff. Uh, 785-249. Wait, that's my phone number. 
1939. The major spoilers almost gave out personal information on the interwebs hotline. All right. So this week we reached the stunning conclusion to Star Wars Legacy, or I guess what the Star Wars that takes place 150 some odd years, 138 years after After Return Return of of the the Jedi. Jedi, right? I have, so, I have a question. Sure. How is it a stunning conclusion if we haven't read the first eleven volumes? Actually, we have read the first volume in this future did Star we? Wars book. I know Rodrigo mm-hmm. and I did and discussed it on the show. We read the first issue. I think there's another one that, that features we, Mr. Cade Skywalker. We read another volume of Star Wars, but it's not this. It's, no, it's a different thing. Different than the future Star Wars. We yeah. read one just recently that was from Dark Horse, one of those omnibus collections of uh, Star Wars after. Yeah, that was, that was entirely different. After Return of the Jedi. Right, right. But yeah, this is way down, 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 down the line. Uh, with Kate Skywalker, uh, the what is he, the great-grandson of Luke Skywalker? Mm, something like that. 138 years in the future, so I think he's the great-great-grandson. He might be. I don't know how long these people live. Well, Luke's kid is named uh, Anakin, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think that this is Anakin's grandson. I may be wrong. Someone will. Someone right now is yelling at their. Uh, oh well, here's the, here's train. the thing. Uh, this, this Star Wars legacy thing is is a pretty big deal. This whole future Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. is a really big deal. Eleven books uh, that are in this uh, in this whole big arc, mm-hmm. and it it kicked off with um, the Sith taking over and and decimating the, the Jedi and basically take o- taking over the Empire and destroying the, the Galactic Alliance that was created after um, Return of the Jedi, right? right? So Cade Skywalker has abandoned his Skywalker name, mm-hmm. has become basically a pirate, but then as his family members are starting to be killed, he's taken up his Jedi training, and he doesn't align himself with either Sith or Jedi, he uses the powers of both. Mm-hmm. And so now we reach this big conclusion of this Star Wars legacy where it is down to basically this is Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. for the Star Wars legacy, uh, you know, story. <laughs> no, really, it is. <laughs> I, I know. Um, and that's that's my biggest problem with it. Yeah, it is very much. <laughs> it's all been done before kind of thing. Well, and not only that, it, it, it's something that, as someone who's not necessarily into the multiple canon levels of Star Wars, mm-hmm. just walking in cold and knowing, okay, well, at the end of Return of the Jedi, the Empire is is the Empire lays in ruins and the the Emperor is gone and things are smashed. Knowing that 150 years down the line, it's going to be even more of a cluster schmoz. Yeah, that's kind of disheartening. It makes it feel like you know Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie didn't really do anything. But overturn one psychotic goon to be replaced by another psychotic goon. Well, eventually, well, I mean, a, there was some. There I was mean, a period that, of peace, right? Yeah, where the Galactic and, Alliance worked. Well, and and that's that's an issue with the Star Wars universe is that at every major generation, at, you know, it's it's like almost every generation there is a major galactic conflict, and they tell you that there's been you know fifty years of peace or a hundred mm-hmm. years of peace or whatever, mm-hmm. but. There are mm-hmm. constant major galactic conflicts going on both directions of Return of the Jedi. Right. You know, we've read yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. We've mm-hmm. read Tales of the Jedi. We've read all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Star and, Wars Tales. Right. So 
you know, prior to even the the founding of the Republic, you know, uh, of the old Republic, there was just constant strife. And then eventually everybody pulled together and made a flimsy Republic. Yeah. And then the movies happen and then the Yuuzhan Vong invade and then this happens. (laughs) The who who and what now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this uh, this is a series. Did that's he been just going say on. they used old bongs? That's what I thought. I was like, who wants dirty bong like, water? <laughs> if you spill that stuff on you, you're like in trouble. No wonder it's so easy to take over the empire. Darth yeah. bong water. <laughs> Seriously, it's oh. a good. It's honestly a good thing that Rob doesn't listen to this show because you would oh, make I, him I, have I, an somewhere. Rob's blood pressure just yeah. spiked, and he doesn't yeah. even know why. He's just I, like. I feel a great disturbance in my force. <laughs> exactly. He's sitting there. It's like it's as, as if, if the, it's as if the three fat nerds had cried out together about bung water. <laughs> oh, the force is strong in Rob. So, so Rob is a big Star Wars guy. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were. The yeah, big Rob. Star actually, Wars guy. he's mentioned um, that before. He. He's like one of the heavy duty guys who can tell you the difference between Rogue Squadron and Red Squadron and Red what happened Squadron. to Big's Darklighter in between movie one and two. Can um, you tell us what happened to Porkins no, I, before he got into the X Wing? I'm, I'm too fat. See the Well Porkins actually had a, a, a previous ancestor. Uh the the name was spelled in the in the twentieth century, Kirkman. <laughs> but as they a Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. A, I was making a joke. I wasn't calling Kirkman fat. Like, I have any room to talk. See, um, my, uh, you know, my, my relationship with pop culture in general is one where I will get interested in something and will learn plenty of stuff about it, mm-hmm. um, but not everything. Right. So, depending on where I am, I'm the big something guy so i'll be the big gaming guy or the big star wars guy right but only in a vacuum only when everybody else is not into star wars okay so you are our star wars guy then yes i am your star wars and (laughs) video games and you know role-playing games guy yes an anime even though yeah even though if i'm with brian and rob then i'm the comics guy right (laughs) so uh i mean i'm familiar enough with the characters to say that you know I think Rodrigo may have a little bit more depth, but I'd I'd fight him because you know I sure sure I mean I, you know, well I'm just I, a jerk. I, so basically what I'm saying is I'm not that well versed in Star Wars stuff. I, I think right. you know kind of stepping into this story again. The only other one that I've read with the with the Cade Cade uh, Skywalker guy. We'll keep on calling him Cade yeah, Bane. Cad Bane is a different character. Yeah, uh, he's that he's the bounty hunter from Clone Wars. Um, right. Is in what was that series? What was that last series that we read um, in that legacy series? I don't know that we've read legacy. Yeah, I we did. We, read we not did. read legacy. You're we... thinking of Knights of the Old Republic? No, because we've met Cade Skywalker before. Yeah, I reviewed in Knights of the Old Republic. Issue. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. I could have swore we read it all, but yeah. oh well. Anyway. In any case, no, so... we have not read any legacy previous to this because I would remember Darth Stripperella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Darth Talon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Darth Boobies. What the? There is a lot of backstory that I think you kind of need to know going oh, yeah. into this. Like, oh, Kate's mother yeah. is working for the Imperial yeah, Forces. Is she? She's, well. Yeah, she's Grand Moff um, somebody. She's somebody's Grand Moff. Um, ah. 
Not until but Chad she's... Bane Kate has children. <laughs> um, but she's like a double agent, right? I mean, she's mm-hmm. kind of yeah, giving she's... people away. Kate is all about. Is she a double agent or is she just a jerk? No, she's because in well, this she she's she comes not a double agent. Very she, much. She's not a double agent. She's straight up a traitor. Like she's just feeding the enemy information. Like she wasn't. She doesn't particularly believe in the cause of the uh, the Imperials either. Right. You know, I mean, but just, she's been totally giving stuff over to right, the Sith. Right. So, and that's the other thing that's a little bit different in this is that the Empire still exists, but it's like the one Sith, this Order of the Sith, mm-hmm. are kind of in control of everything. Right. And so that's kind of an interesting. It's not like yeah. in no, the, Sith, the Sith and the Empire aren't aligned like they were in the like in, right, in, in right. the original and, trilogy. You know, the the, the and Sith this version and the Empire, of the Empire. And there's basically two major military organizations. There's right. the, there's the Empire, and then there's another one whose name I've entirely forgotten. The Knights, the Knights of something, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. Imperial because they're actually Jedi who basically serve this this new empire, and mm. that's what's confusing to me. Is and you know I don't mean this in a terrible way because I I am a fan of John Ostrander, and I'm sure with a lot with a lot more depth, I think I could probably enjoy this. This feels a little bit like. Star Wars Mad Libs mm. to me, where our main character is Luke Skywalker's great, great, great grandson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's cool. And I can deal with that. I love his visual. I love the fact that he looks kind of like a punk rock guy wearing Darth Vader's pants. You know, that visual cue of maybe he's dark and evil because he looks I mean, he looks like he's wearing part of Darth Vader's suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like all of the intrigue and the bits and pieces, but. This is one where it's like, here's Jambi, Jambi the Hutt, Mechalekahai, Mechahiniho, and then there's Grand Moth oh, somebody, oh, and there, oh. there's Darth Crate and Darth Beryl and uh, Darth Darth Sextopus and just all of these characters getting to the point where in the first probably 30 or 40 pages, which I think would be issues one and two of the original series, the Star Wars right. colon legacy colon war, I just felt like every three pages i was meeting new characters and there are like 40 protagonists in Mm -hmm. this book where there's master draco and he's being beaten up and then there's darth crate and there's also darth crate's apprentice and then there's um darth darth sexy sexy who runs around and i don't know whose side she's on and yeah you know the first half of this story is just introducing or probably more properly reintroducing characters from the 50 issue run of star wars colon legacy to where I'm, you know, I understand that Darth Crate is our big bad. I'm good right. with that. Right. And, and you know, uh, you can understand that he comes back and his dragon has taken over and he's back from the dead, just like Optimus Prime in that one episode in season three of Transformers. And, you know, it, it's something where it, it all comes together, but it seems like, and then on the other side of the galaxy, and then on the other, other side of the galaxy... It's like evil and eviler right. as we go through this. Right. And there are no, I mean, certainly there are people who are the good guys, but then there's mm-hmm. a lot of areas that are shades of gray and whose side are people on, including Cade, who, you know, using yeah. both sides of the force, sometimes he's being very evil and sometimes he's being right. very good. And I think in the way that he's drawn sometimes from panel to panel, his face changes enough to where you can almost... I don't know if it's could be bad art, good art, really thinking art, mm-hmm. that because his face changes so much from panel to panel throughout the series, 
that he's channeling both the good and the evil at the same time, and that's what's causing his features to change? I think that may be intentional. I think my my problem with it is because so many characters were introduced, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Cade's mother... Mm-hmm. In my first my first read, I thought she was two separate characters. Yeah. And the way this all comes together, where it's like there's Cade, and then there's Cade's master, and then there's uh, Imperial Knight Rand Co., and then there's his deal, and then there's, you know, Darth Crate and Darth Malady and Darth Evil, and all of these characters in their own initial arcs. This is, you know, this is like, this is Farscape, the Peacekeeper Wars. This is, mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up everything that happened in this huge universal thing to the point where walking into the legacy universe at this point really feels like I'm seeing the last reel of, you know, the, the third part of the first half of the trilogy. And we really are. I mean, that, and that's the problem. The other problem that I have, especially when it comes, as you said, Matthew, identifying characters is that yes, even Mm -hmm. though everybody has a different look, when did the Sith suddenly decide that we're all going to paint ourselves red and, and mark ourselves up with with black paint? Well, because I know in Phantom Menace right. that was a big deal, but I don't remember Emperor Palpatine or um Well, and and even here not all the Sith are doing that. There's a there's a one yeah. like the the main bad guy doesn't do it and there's one vampire-looking Sith that doesn't do it. I think honestly that's a yeah. that's one of those things where it's like because you know when when somebody hands you the next hundred years of the Star Wars universe, right? There are and there right. are a lot of temptations, mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of stuff that I think you know as an artist you get to decide on. So you say, okay, well, um, clearly the Sith get wiped out, mm-hmm. and then they rebuild their society. So if a society is wiped out, right, and they have to rebuild from a remnant, then mm-hmm. things that probably weren't very important before could become, potentially yeah, become incredibly that. important. I can see that. Yeah. So you know, if somebody found a a hollow pyramid of Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is what I said this is supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all need to look like this. Yeah, yeah. I can you see know, that. So, yeah, right. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, it, you know, because again, the, the, the history of the Sith and the Jedi, one, at one point or another, the entire one entire organization gets wiped out, mm-hmm. and at some point, mm-hmm. they both get wiped out. So and then they both get rebuilt. Yeah, and then they and- both get rebuilt. So you can't imagine that any Jedi lore or any Sith lore has yeah. uh, survived intact mm-hmm. from the original inception. Now, this right. being Star Wars, mm-hmm. this is all yes. in canon. Sure. Is that okay with you, Mr. Yes, Star but Wars there guy? Are, there are <laughs> levels. There are many different shades of, of, of canon in the Star Wars universe, much as, you know, a single man has many different shades of laundry. And I think that, if I'm not mistaken, if I understand it, this is the kind of canon... That is canonical up until the point that a movie contradicts it. Yeah, probably. So, and it, it, I, I don't remember if it's B canon or C canon or whatever it is, but double D canon, whatever you're looking at. There are, I mean, there are things in the Star Wars universe that some of them happen until something tells you they didn't happen. Yeah. That, that to me, I think is part of the, the wonderful part of the Star Wars universe much like Doctor Who, is you can actually pick and choose what you love throughout, you know, 50,000 years of emperor empires rising and falling and always having that one iconic character in the middle of it. So is there anything that really stands out in 
legacy colon war that is much different from Return of the Jedi. I mean, all the all the basic plot um, points from Return of the Jedi are there, except for little Ewoks. There's there's like three times tw- as many named characters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Twi'lek here is red. Yeah. Um, I think what that that what Rodrigo mentioned is probably it. This feels a lot like playing a Mamorpaga. This feels like everybody is a hero. Everybody is heroic in their own story. To the point where, you know, uh, what's her face jumps or is thrown off a building to her inevitable doom. And then all of a sudden, wait, she's not dead. Mm-hmm. And she shows up and she has a, a big Can't damn hero sense. And me. then, and even Darth Talon, there's a point where Darth Talon is like, haha, I am Darth Talon and I am awesome. You know, this, this feels like this is going to come across as sounding negative, And I want to state unequivocally that this is not negative. This feels like a story put together. Uh, based on a game uh, like a role-playing type scenario where everybody is the hero of their story. Hmm. So you have Cade Skywalker and his girlfriend and his buddy. And then you have Morrigan, who is like this, you know, this spy. And then you have Cade's mom and you have, you know, Darth Fremistat and, and Darth Combobulated. And all of these characters running around to the point where this feels like everybody getting their moment. And there's like 50 people who need a moment. So we're just like, and now we give this person her moment. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the last time we reviewed a Star Wars book, it was the Marvel stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, I really like the political intrigue in how we're building up, you know, rebuilding up the Empire, Mm -hmm. how we're going to go about creating new alliances. And then when we get into the political intrigue parts of this book, I was like, I really don't care. Well... To be fair, we are jumping into the I know, last chapter I know. of an 11 chapter book. Right. Right. And I understand yeah. that. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to write in and say, well, you guys didn't read the first 11 volumes. Mm-hmm. But still, even jumping in anywhere in the Star Wars universe, I've always been interested in the political. Mm-hmm. This one, I really wasn't interested in the political at all. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And there is well, a lot of stuff. There- there's also not a clear, a, a clear delineation, as you'll see in many Star Wars stories, especially the movies, because the Empire has Jedi in it, and everybody is a shade of gray to where right. the Sith are evil, but the Empire is always supposed to be evil, but now the Jedi are part of the Empire, so does that make the Empire less evil or the Jedi more evil? And if the Jedi are facing down the Sith, but the Sith have really cool code names and funny hats, you know, who are we supposed to who are we supposed to root for? There is no clear good or evil. Even in Cade, who is, I think, probably meant to be our biggest point of view character. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Cade Cade uses the dark side. He uses the forcey lightning, which is supposed to turn your soul black and curve your spine and grow hair on your palms. But he uses it without any negative mm-hmm. repercussions. Mm-hmm. You know, basically kills a couple of guys. Yeah. Yeah, like there's, I said earlier, no he, good he uses force good. He uses both good and evil at the same time. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you really particularly liked about this arc, Rodrigo, about this volume? Oh, not really. Um, my, uh, my relationship with uh, Star Wars Legacy ended very quickly um basically i read the first issue and i was like i am not interested in this mm. um and seeing the conclusion of it i'm still seeing stuff that i didn't particularly like like 
all the stuff that's in here that I like is classic Star Wars stuff, you know, right. lightsabers. Lightsabers, force battles. Yeah, you know, s- spaceship aliens. combat, super cool looking aliens, um, things like that. R2-D2. R2-D2. Literally, R2-D2 is in this. Yeah. Uh, he's the only character yep. from the from. So the that is actually R2-D2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He is okay. the true character. I noticed they, they had an R2 unit and they, told, they called him R2, but I didn't know if that was yep. yeah, R2-D2. Sure. He same didn't one. really have any. Same uh, one. So... You know, but is there something that's intrinsic to this story that I like that uh, that is not necessarily a, a Star Wars through thing? Um, possibly only from a, uh, a a wide standpoint, the fact that there are significantly more women in positions of power mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. than in a lot of other Star Wars stuff. But actually, you know, if you go back to the older... Like not not like the uh, the tales of the Jedi Star Wars comics. Right. You saw that a lot more as well. Um, but you know, uh, even then, you know, it's largely undermined by the fact that there's a uh, Sith in a bikini. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and you know right. that uh, Cade's girlfriend is a potato. Um, really yeah, what the, is her deal? I mean, well, here's the thing that here is the reason why I read one issue of Legacy and put it away is because it just felt like such a Mary Sue story. Mm. I (laughs) am awesome. Kate Skywalker hanging out with my sexy alien girlfriend and my black friend that I'm totally friends with. Right. Right. Um, and we are going to have adventures in space. Also, I'm a Jedi. Also, I have a cool gun. Also, now I have a cool right. Mr. Miyagi mentor that is teaching me to be a better Jedi, right. but I'm already a better I'm Jedi Luke, than him. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo wrapped well, into exactly, one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And he gets to channel his And great, I'm a great little bit of Darth Vader. Yeah. Yep. I think that this, this, I have to use a metaphor to describe how this felt to me. When I was learning to smoke in about the ninth grade, Oh, you shouldn't do that. My mother's third husband found out that I was smoking and he was fine with that. And he would smoke cigars while I was smoking, you know, my mother's Doral menthols, which are what you could buy at the local quick shop because they knew that's what my mother smoked. And at one point I realized he was smoking a cigar and inhaling the smoke as though it were a cigarette which is apparently the smoker's equivalent of mainlining heroin. And I realized that that, that, that definition right there is how this felt to me. I like Doral Menthol's vis-a-vis Star Wars. I could, you know, and part of me still goes, you know, occasionally I want a Doral Menthol. If I have a bad day, I want some Star Wars. This is inhaling cigar smoke of Star Wars because Everything is in this. Our main character is a Jedi and a a Sith and a space pirate and a little Darth Vader. And you have Jedi who are the Empire and you have stormtroopers who have cool group names. And then you have good pilots and evil pilots. And then there's a rogue squadron. And there's, I mean, every single aspect of Star Wars is cloned and and put together and Mm -hmm. recombined. And, you know, this is this is literally tons and tons of characters who are like, this guy is Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, and this guy is Grand Moff Tarkin with a little bit of Yoda, and this guy over here, and it comes to a point where this, in in a good way and a bad way, feels like 42 people came into it with, this is my awesome character that I want to play. 
I'm going to be, you know, an evil traitor to the Empire and also Luke Skywalker's grandmother or whatever you want to play. I can I can take Star Wars outside of the movies only so far. You know, I can only have so much of it before I really go and, oh, man, you guys have really crawled up inside your own selves. Uh, <laughs> I I did kind of like this Darth Crate's, uh, uh storyline, you know, how apparently he was dead in the previous volume and he's yeah. come back and he's coming back to take control back over the uh, the one Sith. See, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. That is one thing I like. The whole like, hooray, we killed the bad guy. But the bad guy is so evil that he just sorened himself back to life. Yeah, yeah. And That's I'm, kind of mm-hmm. awesome. And, you but... Know, I, it's been done before. Well, and you know, I was as I was reading this, I was thinking, you know what? I I don't know which came first. I'm going to bet it came in this volume since uh, this trade came out in January, which means these vo- these issues came out, you know, in 2011 sometime. Mm-hmm. But you know, Darth Maul is back yep. in Clone Wars, right? And basically, right. he saved himself when he was plummeting down his upper torso, and he's got a robotic lower half now. Um, and he used the force to kind of help himself. Um, but you know, this it's Darth also Krayt interesting character. that the Imperial Knights, the Imperial Knights symbol is actually the anus right. flag from Greendale University. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm interested in this Darth Crate character and I would like to know more, but I don't think I can read, a, you know, 10 other volumes of this no. to find out what his dealio is. So I, I, I might. If, I don't know if I did it, it would, ha- and I don't know when the first legacy uh, book came out, 2006 or something like this, but oh, I would six. have to I read maybe, I would have to read maybe one issue a week and just take my time with it in order to appreciate it. Almost yeah. maybe, maybe like that fine cigar where you don't, you don't uh, smoke the whole thing in, in one puff. You take your time and you right. linger and you let the smoke go in and out. Uh, I right. I don't even reading through this in one sitting was tough. So I I think and bottom line for me is I can't give you a recommendation on whether this is good or bad because I haven't read what's come before and unfortunately I'm not a big legacy fan because this is really I guess apparently according to Rodrigo my only experience with the legacy universe. Yep. And I'm sure that there are legacy fans out there. This has to have been a great series. Or else Dark Horse would not have continued it for as long as they did. And I'm sure it's garnered a lot of fans. is an amazing writer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some good moments in this book. But I just can't give this a recommendation of pick up and buy. If you've come this far in the Star Wars legacy, of course you've probably already picked it up and bought it and consumed it. If you want this to be your first book in the Star Wars Legacy universe, no, don't do it. It's kind of like sitting down and watching Return of the Jedi without watching any of the other movies before. You're not going to know who's who or what's going on. It's it's like watching the last 15 minutes of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, that's true. It's uh, it's Rodrigo, like watching the 1996 Doctor Who movie and then trying to extrapolate the previous right. 30 years of continuity. Rodrigo, what about you? What are your final thoughts and recommendations on this? Um, I, I have a I have a similar. I'm of a similar mind that, uh, you know, if you see this on the shelf and it you, you note that it is volume 11, don't pick that one up. If you're curious about it, pick up the first volume. Um, and also, you know, I can't really, with a lot of impunity, say pick this up or don't pick this up. Because, again, um, I haven't read the 10 volumes uh, between this one and the first one. But I will tell you this. I picked up the first issue. 
them through the second issue and I dropped them. So mm-hmm. I've I've never been very interested in this universe. So that's that that is where I'm coming from. You put together what I'm trying to say. Star Wars Legacy Allies came out in 2007 and that seems to be the first legacy book according to the Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, uh, the so. first issue came out around 05 or 06 because it was early on in my latest run at Gatekeeper. I remember issue zero coming out and it had uh, Darth Stripperific on the cover with uh, the red Twi'lek with all the yeah. tribal tattoos. and Matthew, yeah. some final thoughts from you. There are problems with this. There are three things that bother me. A, loads and loads of characters. Yeah. So obviously the last volume, that's understandable. There are three color schemes in the Star Trek colon legacy colon war universe. There's brown and, and kind of uh, earthy tones. There's mm-hmm. black and red. Yeah. And there's white. And the only person who is not either brown, black and red, or white is uh, Kate Skywalker's uh, little purple uh, pneumatic girlfriend, which helps her to stand out. But it makes it difficult when you're going back and forth. These are the Imperial Knights and they wear black and red, but... Everybody who's evil also wears black and red. So mm-hmm. that implies to me that maybe the Imperial Knights aren't all in. There's some there's some confusing stuff that I wish I had more of. This is something that I will recommend to you on two conditions. Okay. If you love some Star Wars, if you uh, love yeah. some Star Wars unequivocally with no qualifications, I would actually start with an earlier volume. <laughs> but this would be a good read. And if you've read volumes one through ten and you really want to know what happens to uh, Cade Skywalker, who's not Cad Bane, yeah, then definitely pick it up. Otherwise, it's probably more of a curiosity, especially if you're someone, you know, if, if you're like Steven and I, who know mostly the movies and maybe the Marvel comics, you know, Jackson isn't in this. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Um, there should be more Jackson. Yes. Giant there should always rabbit. be. All right, everyone. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for uh, for tuning in, downloading, listening. I guess it's. I guess you could tune in. Don't know what you're tuning in with. Your Wi-Fi's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You listen to your Wi-Fi on the hi-fi. Hi-fi. In Wi-Fi. any case, thank you so much for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. Thank you for heading to the MajorSpoilers.com website. Thank you for heading to the Major Spoilers forums and being a part of that. And next week, we're going to be taking a look at. Ultra Duck from Arcana Comics. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, it kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. 
away If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers It's copyright 2012 When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.